Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome to Circuit. In Adventure Smart, we're diving into the world of adventurous travel. We're learning how to navigate the globe safely and wisely, venturing off the beaten path and embracing the unknown. If you're eager to delve deeper into the destinations and stories that we tell, visit CircaTravel.com and download the Circa app. That's C-E-R-C-A. Inside, you'll discover detailed maps, notes, and photos, along with immersive guides to the world's most captivating places and top-tier travel podcasts. So strap on your backpack, turn on your headphones, and get ready for the first step into uncharted territory. Circa, love the world you live in, and we'll help you explore it safely and smartly. Thanks for joining me again for more tips and more guidance and advice on how to keep yourself safe as you travel around the world. My name's Bob Parr. Let's get into it. Well, we've spoken about security and we've spoken about safety. I guess the next thing to talk about is things centered around medical issues, how you take care of yourself, things you need to think about before you actually get out on the road, before you get out there. First and foremost is what is the nature of your travel? Where are you going to go to? What is your state of health and what is it that you're planning to do? It stands to reason that if you have certain medical conditions, there are certain things that you wouldn't be doing when you go in there. You wouldn't be exposing yourself to, to the risk. If you had hypertension, for instance, which is high blood pressure, you're probably not going to go out and put yourself in super stressful situations, and particularly in remote environments, because you may have a catastrophe for which there is no immediate support and for which there is probably going to be no recovery. So you've got to just have a serious appraisal of who you are in the context of your medical history, in the context of your, your current fitness. And just compare and contrast that against what it is you're planning to do. Unlikely to go trekking in Nepal if you're grossly overweight at the moment, suffering hypertension and maybe have diabetes. So trekking in the remote areas in Nepal would not be a good idea. So that's really the first thing to consider. Second thing to consider is medical insurance. It's so obvious and so many people just don't bother with it. 
or they have the type of insurance that doesn't actually cover the form of activities you're going to do. Things like diving and skiing are typical exclusions under standard travel medical insurance schedules. So you're going to draw down some kind of insurance before you're going to go. But most importantly, you're going to have a comprehensive look at the fine print and particularly look at the exclusions on your medical insurance. Another thing within medical insurance and travel insurance you might consider is, does it cover COVID? Does it cover treatment for COVID? Does it cover the costs of you having to isolate? And right at the moment, most countries have actually dropped those requirements, but they could well come back again. So it's the cost of accommodation, enforced accommodation, which frankly, if you're traveling, is going to almost certainly going to have to be a hotel. And what hotel? Because what was very noticeable under the previous COVID emergency from which we appear to be emerging is that a lot of hotels would absolutely refuse to accommodate you if you were suffering COVID. So how are you going to get yourself isolated? If the government arranges it for you, of the nation that you're visiting, if they're going to arrange it for you, there's almost certainly going to be a cost. Also, if you go down with COVID or a communicable disease that requires enforced isolation, if that occurs right at the end of your travel schedule, it may extend the amount of time that you have to be overseas. That may have an implication for your income back at home if you have to stay an extra 10 days or so overseas. It may have an implication for that cheap flight that you booked, which is absolutely unadjustable or only adjustable with a pretty hefty premium being paid. The accommodation, uh, the treatment, the testing. Does your insurance schedule cover all of those things? Does it have comprehensive COVID coverage or is it a limited form of COVID coverage? I'd strongly recommend that it's comprehensive, even if it means you've got to pay a few extra bucks to, to draw that cover down. So you're going to get yourself a good solid insurance that covers all of the things you're going to do, covers the potential risk exposures for the time within which you're traveling. Is this the era of COVID? Is it not? Is there something else that's emerged? And it's going to include your recovery should you die. That sounds awfully dramatic, but the simple reality is even just to stick a dead body on an aeroplane and get it back to your place of origin is going to cost an awful lot of money. And if it's not covered by insurance, then someone's going to have to pick up that tab. A little bit dark. Nevertheless, things that are worth thinking about before you get out there. Next thing you're going to figure is, well, am I going to go to Paris? Great. Not much to be done by the way of inoculations. But if you're planning to kayak up the Orinoco or try to discover the source of the Blue Nile or some remote place where there are a lot of tropical diseases, you're going to have to get yourself inoculated and think about prophylaxis for diseases like malaria. And the best way of doing that is either go to your MD or your GP, as they call it in other countries, or go to a travel clinic. Tell these people what your planned itinerary is. When you're going to go is important because some diseases are seasonal in nature. And then follow whatever recommendations your MD or the travel clinic make. There are some countries you go to that even in the modern era, they do require 
proof of vaccination. COVID is the obvious one because it's been in our face over the last couple of years. Most countries insist that you are at least double vaccinated and some countries insist that you're triple vaccinated and that the last of the required vaccinations was received at least a couple of months ago. So you've got to check out the destination. What are their requirements? And then there are a number of countries around the world that require yellow fever vaccination. Now, most of us that travel internationally, we do actually have that. And my latest understanding is that if you've had yellow fever vaccination, it lasts lifetime. But do check all of that. What most countries that require yellow fever vaccination insist on is if you've ever been to a country where yellow fever is prevalent, if you have that in your passport, then if you go to another country that requires yellow fever vaccination, they require you to have been vaccinated against yellow fever. And it sounds a little bit obscure, but that's basically why these countries have it. And of course, you don't want to catch yellow fever anyway. Nasty disease. Cholera seems to be making a bit of a comeback at the moment. And if you're going to go up country and away from the main habitations, then you may consider getting a cholera vaccination. Malaria is rife around the world. Currently, at any moment of any day, there's probably about 400 million people around the world that are infected by malaria. And malaria remains one of the biggest fatal diseases, in particularly in underdeveloped countries. Is it sensible to take malarial prophylaxis? And are you going to take the right type of malarial prophylaxis? Because there are four or five different variations. Some parts of the world, the traditional tablets that are taken, which are Palidrum, Progranil, they are no longer effective against malaria. So you've got to take other variants like Larium or even on occasion Doxycycline. Seriously dodgy parts of the world, you may find that you're taking prophylactically taking Doxycycline. It's an antibiotic. If you're going to go exploring up rivers where there's a lot of effluence, etc., then a medical clinic may recommend that. So you're going to do all of that, and you're going to buy it down, you're going to take it with you, you're going to make sure that you have the prescription with you when you take it overseas, because some medications in some countries you can only have legally if you are carrying a prescription that names you as being the bearer of these tablets or these meds. Another thing to be aware of, you've got to consider, if I get an infection of some description and I'm at the back end of beyond and there is virtually no medical support locally that I can find, is it worth actually speaking with your doctor before you go or a a travel medical clinic before you go so you can carry just a reserve supply of antibiotics? When we do shows like The Amazing Race, we ensure that all of the contestants actually carry a supply of antibiotics and and other key medications with them so that if necessary if absolutely necessary they can self-administer absolutely the same should apply to you as a traveler it's quite a small thing relatively easy to do if you rely upon prescription medications i strongly suggest that you have enough with you to last you for your entire trip Now, if you're going for six months, that may be unrealistic. But if it's a one-week trip or a two-week trip, fine. Because if you are relying on being able to renew your medications through prescription, 
Yeah, take the prescription with you by all means, but you may find that in the country that you're visiting, well, they don't accept American doctors' prescriptions. So now you've got to go and find a doctor. Now you've got to go and have a checkup. Now you've got to expend more money. You've got to get another prescription, and then you've got to go to the pharmacy to renew your scripts. So make sure you have that with you. If you take medications with you, make sure the actual bottle that those medications are held in have your name, etc., on them. Not just handwritten by yourself, but put on there by your doctor's surgery. Explain you're going travelling and you need the prescription that goes on to the, the carton itself. Make sure your details are on there. Your details are on there, then you're not trading this stuff. You're not intending selling it on, etc., and it definitely belongs to you. If you suffer allergies, if you're prone to anaphylactic shock consequent of a bee sting or ingesting peanuts or something like that, Ensure that you have something like an allergy bracelet on you that says that you have these conditions. If you're found unconscious then and people start putting stuff into your body, they're not going to put the wrong stuff in there. And also, if you're seriously allergic and you have dynamic reactions to it, throat swelling, all of that stuff, and you've been prescribed an EpiPen to take with you, ensure you take that EpiPen with you. And ensure that whoever you're travelling with knows how to apply the EpiPen, yeah? You may have gone down, you may have collapsed on the floor, you may not be able to jab that stuff into yourself, but you've pre-briefed your travel partner that this is where you carry your EpiPen and this is how you administer it and they will get it out and jab it into you. It could well save your life. So as you're travelling around the world then and something does go south from a medical point of view, you encounter an illness or you hurt yourself, You've got to know where do you go to for support. Now, if you've got a medical insurance, once again, most people just buy medical insurance. That's it. It sits on their laptop or on their cell phone or very often don't even bother printing it off. I strongly recommend that you actually print off a copy of the schedule and just stick it somewhere in your bag and just carry it with you. But most importantly, when you're checking through that schedule, almost all of these medical insurances will define a 24-7 helpline. So, first of all, make sure that you have your ability to be able to communicate in place, either an internationally roaming cell phone or a local SIM card that you've picked up when you came in. If it's an international telephone number, if you pick up a local SIM card, make sure that it's enabled for international dialing. So that you can actually, if it's a United States number, for instance, you've got a local SIM card, you might not be able to dial through to that number. So just make sure that you're able to communicate the helpline will usually provide you guidance and advice as to which hospital to use locally. Very unusually, they will be able to tell you, well, if you visit this doctor or this dentist or whatever, but usually it's just a generic guidance and advice you will find on that helpline. Which drives you to the logical conclusion, well, if I do have a dental emergency or a medical emergency, I just want to see a doctor, or if it's a little bit more serious, what are the hospitals to use where can I find a doctor where can I find a dentist now if you're staying at a hotel most hotels will find those people for you and usually the types of doctors and dentists that would probably come to the hotel they usually have an arrangement I would say about that in my experience of utilizing those types of doctors and dentists you may have to wait a considerable period of time before the person is free to come to the hotel to see you there are hospitals in most cities in the less developed parts of the world that you most certainly would not wish to use. So there you have it. 
These are things that you've done in advance, as I said. Had a look at your destination, figured out what the risk exposures are, had a think about your personal ability to be able to, to deal with that environment. Think about whether you're taking the right kit and equipment with you, thinking about medical insurance, thinking about vaccinations and inoculations. And then you travel and you arrive, and that's fantastic. You'll have a wonderful time. Don't worry. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of Adventure Smart. Huge thanks to Bob for his invaluable expertise. When you listen in the Circa app, you'll also unlock pictures and maps and information on everything in our podcasts and guides, including this one. And the best part? You can contact local concierges directly for any queries, ensuring that your adventures are as enriching and safe as possible. Throughout this series, Bob will be your guide to embracing the thrill of travel while ensuring your safety. Together, we'll venture into some of the world's most exhilarating and lesser-known destinations, where you'll learn the art of navigating challenging environments confidently and securely. Bob will help you with the skills and knowledge to travel like a pro, sharing critical insights and strategies for safe and adventurous exploration. We'll help you to level up your travel experiences. Listen to Adventure Smart, a traveler's bootcamp on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or download the Circa app. That's C-E-R-C-A. In there, you'll find an extensive collection of city and country guides, travel podcasts, and more. Visit CircaTravel.com. Circa, love the world you live in, and we'll help you explore it.